Episode 88, The Rant, Dagan Nelson, NYU men's basketball head coach, master communicator, and motivator. It's been two decades since I've seen or spoken to Coach Nelson. He took some time out of his busy recruiting and preseason schedule to talk to The Rant about his amazing journey in coaching that started with the JV team on Long Island, his travels as a coach, his mentors that helped him along the way, and what he sees for NYU this season and beyond. All that and more, my conversation with Coach Nelson, now. The Rant has been brought to you by Roar Organic. Everything your body needs, nothing it doesn't. There's a reason they say variety is the spice of life, and with their new organic line comes the following exciting flavors. Georgia peach, blueberry acai, cucumber watermelon, mango clementine, pineapple mint, strawberry coconut. Ah! Roar Organic uses a proprietary electrolyte blend created with organic coconut water, organic cane sugar, and sea salt. It's non-GMO, vegan-friendly, gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no preservatives, and no artificial sweeteners. Just 2 grams of sugar and only 10 calories per serving. Visit Roar.land and use the code REFEREERANT, one word, in the checkout and receive 10% off your next purchase. That's Roar.land code REFEREERANT. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, Neat Tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true, but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires, too. Enter Neat Tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5, too. Listeners of The Rant can visit neattux.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's REFEREERANT, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph the Ref. I'm with a special guest, uh, men's college basketball head coach for NYU University, as well as my former JV basketball head coach at Calumbuck Memorial High School, Coach Dagan Nelson. How are you, my friend? I really appreciate you having me on, Ralph. I'm doing awesome and glad to be here with you today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. And I guess the wonders of the Internet, because, you know, at the time, let me just set the scene. It was 1996, 97 when you coached me. There was no such thing as Google. And I do remember that if somebody made an indelible impression on your life, you know, sometimes you would just have to wonder where they were and hopefully that they became a pen pal of yours. But now we have the Internet. We have Google. I typed in your name and there you were, you were, you were a part of the pilot staff. And, you know, I was, um, I was kind of mesmerized by, by the, uh, the, the things that you went through, the lengths of, of the coaching that, that you've been through since we has time has elapsed. Um, and it's good to see that you're doing well. Um, and I welcome you to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, basketball and sports and athletics have always been a huge part of my life. And uh, this is an honor. It's a credible challenge. It's an incredible opportunity uh, to be the leader of our program here at NYU with a very storied tradition um, and history. And um, I'm really excited to spend some time with you and hopefully add some insight and, and share some information that can help others. One thousand percent. So let's go all the way back. What was your relationship with sports growing up? What did you play in middle school? What did you play in high school and obviously in college? Yeah, so great question. So for me, I've always been type A, very, very competitive personality. I think as a young kid when I was in elementary school, 
I first picked up a basketball when I was in second grade um, and really just fell in love with the sport. Um, and as I got older, I played multiple sports. Um, I played soccer in middle school and high school. I played baseball um, in middle school and then stopped playing in high school. And basketball has been with me the entire time. So I was a multi-sport athlete, highly competitive, whatever I could get my hands on, whatever I could do um, to compete against others. I really, really enjoyed the competition. And it didn't matter if it was a baseball, uh, it didn't matter if it was a soccer ball or a basketball. Um, I want to just compete against others. So I've always, you know, it's always been a part of my life. So I, I do remember that when we were sophomores that you were a proud uh, alumni of Ramapo College. So just describe your, your uh, collegiate career playing basketball. Yeah, so I had an interesting journey. I was a, a pretty good high school student, pretty good high school player, had some recruitment from a lot of Division three schools. I uh, actually started off at Elizabethtown College um, with a guy named Bob Schlosser, who's a legend who retired. Um, I was recruited by a gentleman by the name of Stephen Schulman. And Elizabethtown College, um, again, I was an overachiever in the classroom. I had to work my tail off just to get an 87, 88 uh, in the classroom. So for me, I went there. Um, it was a little bit too small for me. I ended up transferring and really improving academically and going to junior college and then ended up at Ramapo College through a, a really good person and coach named Jim Pittman. And Jim Pittman actually still lives on Long Island. Um, he's out in the Freeport area. And Jim had recommended me to a gentleman by the name of Michael Bermucci. And uh, Michael Bermucci recruited me to Ramapo College where I played for Tom Burris. And um, then I got right into coaching. So I uh, had a decent career at Ramapo, played in the NJAC, really, really good league, one of the best Division three leagues in the country. Um, we had some success, and then uh, I knew that when I was there that coaching was calling me. I had a real, really strong interest in getting into coaching, and um, I've been very fortunate to be a coach now for this will be my 25th season in a variety of capacities and roles. Mm. And what made you, what informed you of your decision to preempt, I guess, your, your playing days in other words, not wanting to go to the professional route overseas. What made you want to coach early on and start that uh, early? Well, number one, I wasn't good enough to earn a European contract. That's number one. I was an undersized 5'11 combo who could shoot it a little bit, um, laterally deficient, couldn't go to park car at times. Um, and I knew that in order to stay around the game, um, that coaching was the next best thing. Um, so I, I knew that I wanted to be involved, and I didn't know where this journey would take me, um, and it's been an incredible journey up to this point in my life, um, but basketball has always been something that was really, really special to me. I always enjoyed the camaraderie. I enjoyed the competition, um, and I enjoyed being a part of something bigger than me, mm. and um, that's something I take with me now, obviously, as a coach and a leader of young people. Right, and we, we talked about that off-air, about just the impression that you make with young people. Um, I know that when I met you, I was a 15-year-old uh, basketball player, student-athlete, and, you know, a lot of the lessons, the words, exact words, were, were kind of blurry, but I know that it's really difficult to, to kind of imbue life lessons when kids aren't really ready for it. It's kind of like when you get an assignment in school and you're supposed to read this best-selling novel and you can't really understand the lesson. So, you know, just walk through... I guess that that first um, one of the first coaching experiences that you had at Kellenberg Memorial and what you remember from coaching me and my team. 
No, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think the first thing that we all have to recognize as coaches is why are we doing it? What's our why? Um, and what are we looking to accomplish? And who are we looking to help? And who are we looking to serve? So I think when I was a young coach at 23, 24, you know, the guys that I was coaching, Ralph, yourself in particular, were 15, 16, 17 years old, right? So there wasn't a huge difference in age. Um, but I think the biggest thing to me in regards to why I got into it and why you want to do it is to serve others and to try to leave a legacy. Uh, my dad always told me, try to make your vacation your vocation. Um, and that's always rang very, very strong for me. So um, that's really why I've gotten into coaching and why I do what I do. I want to see if you remember just two things, just I guess from my uh, personal curiosity. One time I do remember before the season, we had a non-conference game versus Bishop Lachlan in Brooklyn. And yeah. <laughs> That that game we, we got our bell rung. I think we ended up. That was losing. a challenge. That was a challenge, Ralph. That was a challenge getting the ball across the half court. Oh, it was. I, I think it was a challenge getting getting past the uh, the free throw line <laughs> of, of their side. <laughs> and I remember we ended up losing. And, and it's kind of a trip to me when I go to Bishop Lachlan and, and referee a game and go, "Wow, I can't believe there was twenty almost twenty five years ago where I went into this gym yeah. and we lost one hundred seventeen to thirty seven. The other thing <laughs> I remember was. Um, you, you you had a whole bunch of sneakers in, in the back trunk, and, and you were so excited, and I think they were called, like, the, the cool daddy mids, and we were so, you know, we were, we were, we were kids. Do, do you remember those moments? Yes, 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 I do. And, you know, that, that taught me something. It taught me, number one, you're going to learn a lot about yourself through adversity, right? You're going to learn a lot about your team when they struggle, and to your point, really get their bell rung. But I think now, and this kind of uh, piggybacks on what we may talk on or, or kind of proceeds what we may talk about later, I I think kids need to go through shared adversity and I think shared adversity and I think failure is a really good thing and I think sometimes society that we live in today doesn't allow them you know like failure is a bad thing but in reality failure is a really good thing because it teaches us so many good life lessons right and and I also just think about social media and how things get clipped especially when it comes to basketball where you know somebody might get a tremendous block and the kid that's on the other end of that block um, might feel embarrassed but you know that's really not the lesson that we try to impart to our kids in volleyball and I'm sure that you do on the basketball end because you know basketball literally is a game of mistakes like a rebound is a negative attribute for one team and a positive attribute for another as well as steals as well yeah. as blocks so no you know, that that's one of the things that that's that's a great thing for people to listen to that shared adversity um just to find your philosophy of coaching and how do you think it's changed from you know the, the mid 90s of when you started coaching up until now and how it's changed and evolved a really good question. So my philosophy of coaching personally is to try to create an environment where young people can be the best version of themselves and to try to put them in a position where they can showcase their strengths, uh, accentuate their strengths, and improve on their weaknesses. Um, I think we have a collective responsibility um, and a shared responsibility when you build a program, whether it's a middle school, high school, or college. Um, the best programs are not only coach-led, but really internally led by the student-athlete that you coach, and it has to be shared, right? So I, I think the, the philosophy is creating the environment, but also a shared practice and a shared vision of what you want to accomplish. Um, that's really, really important at any any single level. Um, so I would say that's, that's the overall philosophy with, with which I approach this in terms of building and leading a program. And how do you think kids have changed from the 90s to the 2000s to the 2010s and to the present time from when you started coaching yeah. to now? 
No, you know, it's a great question. People talk about it all the time. How have kids changed? I think kids have changed. I think we've changed also. I think sometimes we've demanded less out of them and allowed them to get away with more and not held them to a certain standard of accountability. Um, but I do think that the Internet, I do think that social media has certainly changed um, in some sense. And it's, I don't want to say manifested a, a sense of entitlement, but I think that a lot of times young people will be playing for the wrong reasons. You know, are they playing for a retweet? Are they playing for a like? Um, are they playing for their next post? Um, so you got to make sure that the intentions and why young people are competing uh, are for the right reasons. Um, but I think kids are—I think kids are kids, and uh, they want to be coached. They want to be held accountable. They want to be held to a certain standard, um, and they want to be part of something bigger than them. I, I really, truly believe that. I agree with that. So, you know, I consider you a mentor, even though we haven't spoke, but, you know, really looking forward to getting, staying in touch with you. Uh, but you did mention, Absolutely. Uh, you did mention Coach Pittman as well as your father. Uh, discuss any other mentors that you have, list them. And what do you think they've done for you? And how do you think they've shaped the way you've helped, uh, the way you coach and, and, and how you've helped players after them? Great question. Um, I think outside of my dad and outside, I mentioned Coach Pittman, obviously, another strong mentor um, in my life, basketball-wise, and in the game of life, is a guy named Tim Maloney. Um, Timmy has been coaching for over 30 years. Um, he actually grew up in Floral Park. Uh, Tim has been on staff of national championship programs um, at the University of Florida, at University of Massachusetts. He's been a head high school coach. Um, he's worked with Coach Donovan. He's worked with Coach Ford, who I had an opportunity to work with for a couple of years at Eastern Kentucky. And I think what Tim always emphasized and really helped me understand is that it's really about the kids, and that's really all that matters. Um, it's about the student-athletes that you impact. And it's about being genuine. It's about being honest. It's about being transparent. And it's about letting those young people that you serve and mentor um, that you're there for them, regardless of what they may be going through in the game of life, right? And also, in terms of teaching life lessons, there's so many lessons that we learn through sports, um, and it's our job and it's our obligation, I think, as, as leaders of young people uh, to help them in the game of life, um, because they're going to go through adversity, and they're going to go through challenges, and how we can help them overcome, and the lessons that we can teach them through team sports are invaluable. So I think Tim Maloney has been an incredible mentor for me. Uh, we worked together uh, at Eastern Kentucky, so I got to learn from him. Um, he's one of the best in the business at understanding people at understanding young people and how to connect with them um, so the connection that he's fostered and, and imp impacted and influenced me and how I communicate with our guys um, has been really invaluable mm. that's that's great advice and you know I think there, there's something to be said with high school coaches like myself as well as college coaches because those are still formative stages of, of people's lives and and you don't know what type of impact you're gonna have with their legacy as well as them being young adults in the future um, having yep. said that, um, who are yep. your most memorable players that you've coached so far, and who have you considered a success in the game of basketball as well as the game of life? Well, I think some of the most successful people that I've coached and student-athletes that I've worked with, um, I would say one young man is a guy by the name of Michael Haney. Michael played for us at Eastern Kentucky University. Um, he's actually in the Hall of Fame there now, and he went through some adversity when we were coaching him. He had two torn ACLs, came back, and helped the program go to the NCAA tournament for the first time in over 35 years. Um, and they made school history. Uh, they got to play the University of Kentucky, where they put up a really good fight and unfortunately lost in the first round the NCAA tournament. Um, so Michael's, he's a living trophy, uh, as I would say. 
Um, some other folks that I've personally been the head coach uh, of when I was the head coach at SUNY New Paltz. Um, there's two young men that actually were the first to graduate from their families. Um, a young man by the name of Sharif Taylor, who now does work here in New York City, works with youth on the Upper West Side, and another young man named Shalik Jenkins, who went to Boys and Girls High School, um, who graduated from college and is actually a father now and working with youth as well. And then the last one I would say would be a young man by the name of Harris Wishard. Um, Harris is probably the hardest working kid that I've ever coached, um, had an incredible love for the game, was a thousand point scorer at SUNY New Paltz, and now he's coaching also um, out on Long Island and they're all giving back, which is pretty cool. So mm. I would say those four guys kind of stand out to me. Um, I could, if we had more time, I could probably share with you about 15 to 20 more, but I think those those four right there really stand out. Right. And, you know, over your time of, of being involved as a coach, as well as a player, what has your relationship been with officials uh, up until this time? With officials? Basketball officials, so, yeah. So, yeah. So, so, Ralph, the older I've gotten, uh, I try to conserve my energy, and I try to control the things that I can control. Uh, I'm 46 years young now, and I think during the course of a basketball game, we just want to have a conversation um, and be able to talk to an official, uh, regardless of the call that was made. Um, so, But to answer your question directly, I think that for me, what I've learned to do is try not to spend too much time worrying about who's on the game. You know, obviously, we get a list. Uh, every in college you do um, you get the three officials probably an hour before the game of who's going to be working the game um, but I really try not to put too much emphasis on it and um, really try to control our controllables but we just want folks that we can communicate with and talk to during the course of the game that don't feel threatened um, that have a lot of self-confidence and self-esteem is really high that they're doing a great job um, so I would say that my relationship is one of trying to be very cordial Right, and and there's something that I find important that officials may overlook um, is one of those things that, you know, since I have experience being a coach, I know that the amount of time and equity we put in kids as well as game preparation as well as that. I think sometimes officials lose sight of that because they just kind of go there and they, you know, we want to keep a, a neutral edge in the game where we're not thinking of those things. But we also know that we're working hard as well as you're working hard, and, and that's your final product, and we want to make sure that everyone is performing at their highest level. Would you agree on Absolutely that? Absolutely right. And I completely agree. And I think what you really want to try to do during the course of a college basketball game, I'm speaking to college now because that's the level I'm at, um, is you want to try to find some common ground, right? You want to try to find places where you can have a conversation during the course of the game and you're going to get honest feedback. Nobody's perfect. We're going to make mistakes as coaches. Players are going to make mistakes. There's no perfect player. There's no perfect coach. There's no perfect official. So I think having the ability to understand that, hey, I made a mistake, that one's on me, and own up to it, um, I think that's a very valuable quality to have. Mm. And um, just a couple of other questions that I had. Um, can you talk about some of the activities and events that you can leverage to provide access, you know, since you have entree to New York City? And um, how is that different compared to the other coaches in your conference that just can't match that uh, intensity that New York City provides? That's a great question. So let me kind of take this in a couple different parts. So we spend, and let me kind of give you the, the life of a, a college basketball coach. We spend probably 70% of our time at the Division three level, and we're one of the best academic schools in the world. Median SAT last year was 1420. We're going to have close to 95,000 applications this year. We've been the most applied to University of NYU over the last 13 consecutive years. So it's a dream school. Um, and what I would say for the young men uh, that we are looking at and we have an interest in, it all has to be about the right fit. But I think in regards to leveraging New York, there's no city like it. The energy is 
incredible. I don't think there's another city in the world that, that compares. We're building a brand new $1 billion athletic facility along with faculty housing, student housing, green space. We're going to have four regulation courts. Uh, we're hopeful it's going to be done in the spring uh, or the fall of 2021 or the spring of 2022. So it's going to be the mecca down here in lower Manhattan. Um, it's going to be an incredible place. So we leverage that. We talk about it. But for us, in regards to what we really look for when we're out on the road recruiting, because as I said, we spend probably 70% of our time doing that, um, it's about the right fit. And we really want tough-minded, hard-nosed, blue-collar, first ones in, last ones out, guys that really, really have high character. And then we talk about our core four values, and that's honesty, trust, accountability, and toughness. And the toughness piece is both physical and mental. Um, so we recruit to those standards, we recruit to those pillars, but this is an incredible challenge um, from an academic standpoint because our standards are so high. Um, you know, we're trying to get guys that can play at Princeton or can play at Penn or can play at Yale or Harvard or Brown or Dartmouth. Um, those are the guys that we want in our program because they check the academic box. Um, so I could spend a half an hour talking with you, Ralph, about philosophy on recruiting and, and how we do it. We have to cast a very wide net. We have more international student-athletes here than any school in the world. We have a young man coming into our program from Russia who I think will make a major impact in our program, played in the FIBA games, was the starting point guard for the Russian national team. Um, so we get interest from all over the world. And I'll leave you with this. I'm not exaggerating this at all. We get close to, I'm going to say, 80 to 85 emails per day from student-athletes across the world that have an interest in our school. And we have to be incredibly selective with who we target. Um, because it's such a dream school, we could probably have six or seven basketball teams here because of the amount of interest and because of our undergraduate population. Um, there's such an incredible interest to go to school here uh, that we have to be incredibly selective with who we target, and they have to be the right fit for us and we do an incredible amount of background work on that so it's a very very unique place to recruit to that's amazing um after everything that you said what do you think are the attributes what do you think it took to get to where you are at this moment in time as a college basketball coach yeah, so my journey, I'll share it with you, right? So my journey from Kellenberg, I went and became a high school coach in Florida, was a head coach of a school called Melbourne Central Catholic, left Melbourne Central Catholic, had a great two-year experience, uh, won some championships, mentored some young people who are life friends right now, uh, and then left and got into coaching, college coaching, I should say, because I wanted to get into college basketball. I became a volunteer at Pace. I slept on a couch. I worked on a master's degree. Uh, I worked in a health club uh, to make money, uh, and then I got a break, and from being a volunteer at Pace University. I went to NYU. So from 2000 to 2002, I was a full-time assistant. I worked for Joe Neshi. Uh, Joe Neshi did an incredible job here before he retired at the end of last year, uh, and then got an opportunity to get into Division One basketball. So I, I say to you, relationships are everything. Uh, and I got into Division One basketball, worked at Eastern Kentucky for two years because of a good friend who recommended me named John Brennan. John's now the head coach at Cincinnati. Uh, John recommended me. I then leave Eastern Kentucky to go to Stony Brook. My wife and I are from New York. I go back. I work for Nick McCarchick, so it's come full circle. Nick McCarchick's grandson is now in our program, transferred from American. So it's just amazing, like where relationships can take you. I went on then to coach at SUNY New Paltz for four years at Division Three school. Also coached in North Carolina at a private high school for three years. So my journey's been very, very unique. Um, and this opportunity here um, at NYU is really.
really because of relationships that you keep over time. And I think that you have to continue to grind and don't lose sight of your goals, right? There's going to be adversity. There's going to be obstacles that are going to throw at you in anything that you want to do. I don't care if it's coaching. I don't care if you want to start your own business. I don't care if you want to go be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, whatever it is. You got to believe that you can get to where you want to go and you got to have a great belief. Um, and you got to have an incredible work ethic, an incredible drive. But at the end of the day, you've really got to connect with people. And you got to be. You've got to. Go ahead. Sorry. No, you've really got to connect with people and you've got to keep the relationships um, in your life um, really, really strong, regardless if you're in one place and maybe someone that you haven't connected with or talked with. And it's funny that you and I are talking here today. We mm-hmm. haven't talked in over, over 20 years, right? So it's just amazing um, that now we're reconnected. So in life, it's all about relationships. 1,000%. And and I was going to say that you, you probably have to be good with a map, how far, how far you've gone and you come back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, you, you do, you know, but coaching is coaching regardless if it's middle school, high school, college, division one, two, three. Um, I've been fortunate to coach at every level, junior college included, and uh, coaching is coaching and people are people. But you know, the one thing I say, I think what's different now in, in 40, you know, I'm 46 and having grown over the years is um, – I want to make sure that people are now getting into coaching um, for the right reasons, right? Uh, because now the salaries have become astronomical at some schools, um, and you got to make sure that you're really getting into it for the right reasons, and, and do you really want to go and, and help mentor young people? Um, because that's what this is about. Yes, we have to win games. Yes, we're tasked. You know, everybody has to win, right? We live in a, a win-now society. Um, but at the same time, you can't lose you can't lose sight and focus on really what the most important piece is, and that's having mentorship to your young people. Mm. What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go, and ultimately, where do you want to go as a basketball coach? Well, let's, I'm focused on the here and now. My ultimate goal is to get this program turned around and get brought uh, back to national prominence. Uh, I have a vision of putting down nets and hanging banners here, and I think we can do that. It's a very, very unique place to to coach. Um, obviously, we're building a new facility, as I mentioned, but I'm really focused on just getting ready for the preseason and getting our guys ready to come out and have the best season possible and get better every day and improve. Um, and that's where my focus is right now. Uh, you worry about the here and now, and you take care of that and everything else takes care of itself 1000 percent. what is the most stickiest situation that you've ever been in as a college basketball coach and as well as what is the best moment that you've had thus far as a basketball coach stickiest situation i would say would be when i took over at suny new paltz and i had to deal with an issue uh, with a student athlete um who, who did something he, he really shouldn't have done and didn't own up to it uh, I had to get some administration involved, and uh, it wasn't a fun process. I think uh, the outcome was good for the young man, and I think we taught him a life lesson. But I don't know if the outcome was good for our team at that point in regards to a win or a loss, if that makes sense. Makes sense. Um, okay. Um, I think the best situation or the best experience I've had would be two. Number one, helping two guys get college degrees um, who were the first in their family to get, get college degrees. And then number two, winning a championship with a group of people um, that had never won a championship before in over, uh, I believe it was 19 years um, at SUNY New Paltz. Um, And that was a really, really fun experience. Um, So I think those two pieces right now, but um, we're hoping to make a lot more here at NYU. Mm. I got two more final questions, and this one is just for my coaching curiosity. Um, What sticks with you more, your your best wins or do you think your, your most bitter losses? It's a great question. Um, I think they both do in different ways. Um, 
I'm going to I'm going to go actually with the wins, but I think they both do, and they both impact you um, in a lot of different ways. And I think really we learn from our losses more than we learn from our wins. And I think when you lose, you have a greater opportunity to teach. Um, I think you can learn more from a loss than you can sometimes from a win. Mm, I agree with that. And the final question I wanted to ask for you was, what does basketball mean for you? What has basketball given you in your life? Just about everything. Uh, I would say to you, and this is no exaggeration at all, um, I think that 90 to 95% of the relationships that I have in my life today are through the game of basketball. Uh, It's enabled me to travel the world. It's enabled me to coach internationally. It's enabled me to live in different parts of the country, to build relationships with people from different walks of life. Um, So it's given me a heck of a lot. It's given me a heck of a lot. And I think one thing that we talk about is always respect the game. Um, But it's given me a lot in my life. There is no doubt about it. And I'm very, very thankful for it. It's the greatest game that there is. Um, and I hope to continue to coach for, for a long time. I really enjoy it. I think it's definitely a challenge now. It's, it's changed in regards to, um, you know, the, the demands um, and the microwave culture that we live in um, and finding that connection um, with your young people because, you know, we live in this, like I said, microwave society. And uh, to get young people, and I'll leave you with this, I talk about this all the time. I think that we live... Um, I want to say this the wrong way. I think we live sometimes in a very selfish and undisciplined society, and we ask young people to be incredibly unselfish and disciplined. And the messages, uh, whether it be social, whether it be on a subway, whether it be anywhere, I think sometimes the messages that young people see, we're asking them to flip and do a 180 and be really unselfish and disciplined, and I'm not sure that's what society preaches all the time, if that makes sense. So... um, I'll leave you with that. That that makes complete sense. And, you know, I appreciate your time. I can't believe how much time has elapsed. And and we kind of (laughs) just picked up where we where we left off. And, you know, I feel like I'm a different person. And I'm surely that you feel like you've evolved as a different person. But, you know, thank God for the Internet. You know, as much as that there's negativity with it, there's also positive things where we can can connect. And, you know, and and, the positive outweigh. Let's let the positive outweigh the negatives and um, anything that you need. Ralph would love to continue to stay in touch with you and I really appreciate you having me on yeah I would uh, love to uh, watch one of your games this year um, I know a couple of my guys uh, have 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 you on the schedule they haven't accepted the game yet so we'll see what happens but other than that do you have any final words you want to say before we part ways no I, I really appreciate the time I wish you continued success and um, hope uh, everybody out there if you're involved in the game of basketball have a wonderful year stay healthy and respect the game great And for Coach Nelson, this is Ralph the Ref. This is The Rant. We're signing out. Peace.